So first of all, what I want you to do, swirl the whiskey around, pick it up and say, hello. Then you go back to it and say, how are you? Then you come back and say, quite well. Thank you very much. Welcome to the Eat, Drink, Listen podcast, where two somewhat knowledgeable guys explore our favorite whiskey, food, and music, and hopefully learn a few things along the way. My name is Ian. And I'm Scott. And today is a drink episode, and we are drinking Knob Creek, as we alluded to. So it's... Not just your Jim Beam white label or what this isn't your, um, but it's not uh, gonna break the bank either. And so that's why we love Knob Creek is it's uh, it's a product that sort of edges into premium quality, but doesn't have the price tag to come with it. And this is a special bottle of Knob Creek. You want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, and and. Let's go over kind of what Knob Creek is, too, Um, because I think some folks might not uh, be aware of this. Knob Creek uh, is a Jim Beam brand, and um, it was created in uh, 1992, um, or introduced in 1992, sorry. Um, And at this point, we're coming off the 80s, where bourbon was dying in the U.S. Um, and there People were, just wanted clear spirits. <clears throat> they just wanted clear spirits. Actually, Japan and Asia overall uh, saved, or moreover, saved bourbon, which is now known as, you know, a U.S. spirit, like the national spirit. Right. Um, but... Nobody from the United States, besides like Southern gentlemen uh, and good old boys from the South, wanted to drink it for about 25 years, um, which is referred to as the glut period. There was so much bourbon just aging in barrels, they couldn't sell it. Um, uh, So Wild Turkey is famous for this. Uh, Jim Beam is famous for this. Uh, Heaven Hill, uh, so who makes Elijah Craig and Evan Williams is famous for having these really old barrels that are now, you know, highly sought after and, and oftentimes cost thousands of dollars from the 80s, uh, well, from the late 70s through the early 90s, okay? So in, in the mid-80s, oh, and sorry, Buffalo Trace as well, which uh, was the stag distillery and then um you know it, it it was it was a few different things it didn't actually become buffalo trace until a little over 20 years ago but a guy named elmer t lee in the mid 80s released uh something called blanton's single barrel it was the first single barrel bourbon and then um wild turkey responded with um wild turkey kentucky spirit about 10 years after that, which is also a single barrel. And then um, Jim Beam came out with the Knob Creek line. So these are looked at as super premium bourbons at the time and um, trying to give people a reason to be interested in bourbon in the United States. So it's introduced in 1992 at, at 50%, at 100 proof. And did it have an age statement when it came out? No age statement okay. when it came out. 
Um, <clears throat> so it did better than anticipated in sales. Um, but let's let's look at a, a bit of Jim Beam history too before we get into this. So uh, the most well-known uh, brand of bourbon in the United States and it's out of Claremont, Kentucky. Is it the top-selling bourbon? I think probably, right? Yeah. 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 And now it's owned by a conglomerate called Beam Suntory. Um, right. It's the, the Japanese kept whiskey alive, and then they bought it out. Right. right. They bought it yeah. for themselves. So Which good for them. Yeah. It is so American, again, that uh, you know, a Japanese company would own like the highest-selling or the largest uh selling company in the United States. Yeah, I guess this is true of all like Budweiser as well, you know, the all-American right. beer is like owned by a Belgian beer conglomerate or then you have like the South African company owns Coors. I mean, yeah, everything is just sort of a big global right behemoth now. Yeah. Um so they've had uh seven generations of um distillers in the family and you know this is only interrupted by uh, prohibition um, they came over uh, in the late 18th century from germany and settled in kentucky the beam family and and actually uh, it was originally b o with an umlaut h m mm, so okay. it's like beam yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, then they changed the spelling of their name to b e a m um, and so Johannes Jacob Beam was a farmer who uh, began producing whiskey in the style that became bourbon um, in the uh, early 19th century, late 18th century. And then Jacob Beam came along, and, and, and here in Colorado we also know Jacob Beam from a uh, a beer called Uncle Jacob's, which is uh, oh, a okay. barrel-aged stout gotcha. from Avery. I had, I had made that connection. That's yeah. cool. Um, so Jacob Beam sold his first barrels of whiskey around 1795, and he called it Old Jake Beam Sour Mash. Um, so we go about the next 120 years. It's in the family and... Uh, then Prohibition comes, and then in 1943, the brand name was changed from Old Tub to Jim Beam. So okay. That's that, where Old Tub That's from. where the, yeah, Old Tub, uh, what, did it come out last year that they started re-releasing Old Tub as like a four-year bottled in bond expression? So. Right, it's kind of an homage. And yeah, yeah, and it sort of got a lot of hype when it came out, and then people kind of realized it was just a $20 bottle of bourbon. Right. It's nice. It's fine. It's good. Yeah. It's got, you know, the beam ha uh, flavor profile is a little nutty, uh, and it's got a real nice, like, nuttiness. So Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, you know, I uh, show people that bottle all the time for for 20-ish bucks. You can't do much better than that. Yeah, I, mean, I, I enjoy 100 it. 100-proofer. So. I mean, you know, I, it's it, it, it costs just as much, if not more, to get the uh, the white label. Right, yeah. I I've seen some comparisons with just the regular beam bottled in bond as being not too dissimilar from the old tub and that makes sense. I mean, it's 
a lot of these things are just marketing opportunities for, you know, getting your product out there. And it's, it, they have good juice. They have some good barrels. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And they've got hundreds of thousands of those barrels. Yeah. Um, so Jim Beam goes from uh, Old Tub to Jim Beam in 1943, named after James Beauregard Beam. Oh, okay. perfect. Yeah. Um, and you can hear so, his accent now. Right? <laughs> so then it comes to prominence um, as we get more into the modern era. Knob Creek, as, as we said, their attempt to go with a premium bourbon. Booker's uh, was also um, coming out at the same time. And uh, named after Booker Noe, who was the grandson of Jim Beam and the master distiller at the Jim Beam Distillery for more than 40 years. Um, So Booker's is a barrel-proof bourbon, uh, and it's a batched bourbon, so it's not a single barrel. Okay. But he, there was a certain part of the warehouse that he really liked um, cutting from uh, that he thought was like the honey barrels were there. And oh, so it has a sim- Blanton similar kind of backstory to one special warehouse. Yeah, they, yeah, yeah. Kind of, yeah. And, and and obviously, instead of just being single barrel, it was batched. And he liked it uh, six to seven years. I personally think that's a little too young. And I think Booker's is just fire and not in like the awesome way necessarily well and this is where i mean we can kind of sidetrack from the history discussion and kind of talk about the the value discussion and the various expressions and how knob creek sometimes feels like a bit of a steal or like an outlier yeah absolutely because you're talking about you know bookers being a six year that's gonna cost you half again as much as a knob creek which can be a nine and sometimes with these store picks up to like a 14 or 15 year yeah bourbon that was one of my first bottles was uh, almost 15 year old knob creek that for like 50 or 45 bucks 45 bucks yeah. and you know it's not full barrel strength it's but close it cock clocks in at 120 proof yep. so it's close you're not really losing any of the barrel strength qualities there no. so it sometimes feels like Knob Creek's a little bit of the of a diamond in the rough, and you see that echoed a lot on you know bourbon forums and discussions. So absolutely, yeah, no. Um, so, anyways, yeah, as as Ian was saying, you know, Booker's oftentimes, especially now since it's an allocated product, it can be hard to get a hold of, and some places will charge ninety hundred bucks for yeah. that. And again, six to six and a half ish years barrel proof, it is very hot. And Knob Creek, um, at least nine years with the uh, the single barrel, at least, and the store picks are all at least nine years. And and a couple of years ago, they were everywhere at twelve to fifteen years, and they were delicious. It was one of the best deals you could, and still one of the best deals, you know, for forty five to fifty five bucks. Mm-hmm. Um, they so. 1992, the, the small batch Knob Creek is released. Then in 2010, they, which it was at 100 proof, 50%. So 2010 is when they started doing the single barrels at nine years. Okay. Hmm. Um, a few years later is when they started doing the, um, the store picks. Okay. Yeah. Um, so you might be familiar with this. We've talked about it a little bit in the past, but... Uh, a growing trend in the bourbon and I guess whiskey world in general is 
the single barrel pick and uh you know it's been kind of a mainstay a little bit of some liquor stores and uh bars but now you see like you know reddit groups and just groups of friends who go in or you know some rich guy who's right. just like, I'm going to buy a barrel almost like on speculation, like we talked about before. So, um, so yeah, the single barrel program is a really cool, uh, because barrel variation is a very real thing. Yeah, absolutely. And so to have that, um, one person selecting a barrel is a really cool process. Yeah. And so that brings us to this particular, uh, Knob Creek, which, uh, the town that we live in here in, in Colorado, Greeley, I uh, work part-time at a, a liquor store called Coral Bay, and we got the uh, opportunity to have the first Knob Creek store pick here in, in our city. Um, and so that process, is it's, it's pretty cool. You get uh, a few different samples sent to you from the distillery, and then uh, you get to, you know, taste them and, and see which one you would prefer. And so um, we got our samples in right around Christmas time, and they were all about nine and a half years. Um, the one that we ended up choosing kind of went with just because it um, kind of just embodies what I think of with Knob Creek. Just it's not overly complex, but you know, sweet, big brown sugar, big vanilla. In fact, I almost get a hint of sassafras on this. Did you smell I that? I could see that. Yeah. 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 It's got kind of a cola. Right. Um, yeah, spiced cola. Sort yeah, of thing. Okay. cola nut. Yeah. Um, but it's uh, and it's sweet. You know, when I have bourbon, I I want something sweet in general. Um, yeah, and. I, we can start talking about the bourbon a little bit yeah. um, because, you know, I think it is right in that sweet spot. Um, it's one of my flavor progressions in getting into bourbon has been those oaky wood notes. It's something that wasn't really apparent to me at first, but it sort of revealed itself just, you know, that's the flavor journey for right. a little bit of a... The more you drink, the more you notice. Yeah, yeah. And so... Um, as I drank more of that, uh, 15 year Knob Creek that I had, it started to feel overly, overly oaked a little bit, a little overly tannic. Uh, especially notice it on the finish mm -hmm. kind of like dries out your palate a little bit. Yeah. How's that like, and so for me, this nine year, even though I, I think part of me wanted to be an age snob yeah. and like. You know, I, I think coming into bourbon and not knowing a lot about it uh, and thinking, you know, looking at scotch being like, well, yeah, everyone, you know, the older it is, the better it is, the more expensive it is. So, but yeah, like I think Knob Creek and these store picks are a really good way to kind of just see where that line is because it does, you know, get right up to that line and you get that oakiness and those like big tannic barrel notes. But in these 9-year picks, I feel like it's really well balanced. Yeah, in in certain ways I I mean it depends on what you're looking for, but in certain ways I prefer them um because you can still I mean I've had a lot of bourbons that have been 10 years old and were over-oaked. 
So depending on where it's being aged in, in, in the warehouse or the rick house, um, if it's on a top floor near the top and it's been, you know, there for 10 years, I mean, mm. you, you're pushing it with the oak. Sure. Yeah. And now that we're seeing bourbon come out of so many different regions of uh, the states here that that over oaking thing when you're when you're looking at texas bourbon it becomes a very different equation than uh, kentucky bourbon and so uh and so knob creek is out of claremont kentucky um and like you were saying just a massive facility uh along the bourbon trail and um I've seen, you know, some shots of their visitor center and it's just another one of these bourbon meccas, you know, just like looks, looks pretty incredible. And, you know, I love the bourbon, um, reverence to the legacy and the history of the place. Um, I like that they, you know, they have this, uh, living history kind of thing. You know, they know who their founders were. The name lives on through all these products. I think that's really cool. Yeah. And that's kind of um, a trend you see or a theme you see with a lot of those distilleries in Kentucky, whether it be Jim Beam or Wild Turkey or Buffalo Trace. Um, history means a lot. And then there's a lot of other distilleries around the country that are, you know, uh, fabricate history. To, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we've seen that pretty firsthand um was it the hughes brothers is that the mgp sourced rye yeah. that you got and um it's it's pretty comical i mean i there's a lot it's not to single anything out but there's a lot of these companies and templeton you know, templeton, templeton iowa what, what are they trying to say it's like al capone's uh, recipe or something. yeah and then they got outed for sourcing <laughs> yeah I mean, we love and, mgp uh, but yeah right it's just you know i think uh we take the same kind of approach as like the whiskey vault guys just like be transparent right just you know yeah i love source whiskey especially if it's mgp just yeah yeah, yeah. like you, don't go buy a gourmet dinner and and tell your wife you made it like yeah i mean even with the snob creek yeah <laughs> you can uh you know that's th there's a bit of you know they're trying to make it look more rustic and look you know more um they knob creek has the wax top on it which, as far as wax tops go, Knob Creek is my favorite because it's actually easy to get off. Right, it's got like, the pull tab kind I of thing. I mostly hate wax yeah. tops, but yeah. Dude, people I, cut off fingers with wax tops. Oh, yeah. It, they're terrible. Most are just terrible. Yeah. We know this from the beer world. Yeah. The, the wax dipping is a terrible tops. trend. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and you know, but of course, the Knob Creek is going to be sold as this like more small batch product, even though we know it's like millions of bottles coming out per year. Right. But as we've talked about too, this is kind of the gambit or like the line that these distilleries have to toe of trying to convince you that it's this artisanal product. But if you're if you know about whiskey, you know you don't really like the best stuff is coming out of the big right. Like, like industrial sized distilleries yeah, it's kind of the opposite so, of beer yeah yeah and so i think there's um to try and draw the um sort of uninitiated customer in you got to give them all like the handcrafted and you know by a tradition of 
distillers that goes back generations, which, you know, yeah, people like mine their genealogy, their ancestry.com to find like the one distiller who was in their family back in the day. And so they can put that on a label. And uh, yeah, I, I mean, I get it. It's just one of the ways marketing has ruined the world, right? Yeah, no, it's very true. It, the nice thing about Knob Creek, though, is uh, whether it be nine and a half to 15 years with these single barrels, which, again, are ubiquitous, uh, I, I guarantee every state has these, mm-hmm. um, you're going to get that nice brown sugar most of the time. You're going to get, you know, big vanilla, a nice amount of oak, and... Um, and that's really, you know, and it's going to be sweet most of the time. It's going to be big. It's going to be pretty bold. This one in particular was uh, 123 barrel proof. So cut down to 120. I mean, you can't, you can't really tell the difference. Yeah. That. Yeah. Um, and it's not, I, I like it at 120. I think the, the heat is right in balance. Yeah. It's not, yeah, like some of that barrel proof Elijah Craig where it kind of burns my throat up a little bit. Um, I get a nice like marshmallow on the nose. It's got that kind of rounded sweetness with the vanilla, yeah. like a like a cherry marshmallow, yeah. kind of like a fruity kind of marshmallow thing. It's really pleasant, and that's why Knob Creek's basically just a home run every time. When you really get into whiskey, um, you'll have some other things, and you'll kind of talk yourself out of like Knob Creek being a good deal. Mm-hmm. But then you'll have a bunch of stuff, and then you'll realize wow, like that bottle I just paid $200 for might not even be better than just an 11-year-old Knob Creek store pick. Yeah, yeah, because some of my first bottles were this Knob Creek store pick I was talking about. Yeah, you jumped about. in on the deep end. Yeah, and then <laughs> a couple of bottles of Stag Jr., and yeah. Which everybody I, wants. So which, yeah, die for that shit. now has, has become kind of a whale, but um, at, yeah, and I... Prefer, I was more into the Knob Creek. Now that comes from a very like unseasoned palate, but the, you know there shouldn't be any kind of um, like view of in the same way as like people have this pejorative view of wild turkey, which know, makes no sense. Which makes no sense and feels antiquated and is strange because wild turkey was like marketing itself as like the high end bourbon, but whatever, we're not talking about wild turkey, but anyway, um, we're always talking about, wild that's turkey. true. Yeah. <laughs> it is the basis of so many, but, um, but yeah, I mean, I think this, and as you were talking about with, you know, this surplus of whiskey, uh, Knob Creek is still one of those where you can kind of benefit from that. Because, like, we haven't really talked about, but the expressions that they have now. So they have their nine year mm-hmm. uh, age statement, and then they have their 12 year, right. and, and then they just released a 15 year. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, we were talking about these store picks, these 15 year store picks at $50, and their 15 year age statement is like 125 yeah. if you can get it. Right. Um, yeah. It's- Highly allocated. Yeah. And so, again, like you're always looking for a deal and and you're looking for a high quality product when you're in these kind of, you know, especially when you're buying a bottle of bourbon, you know, you're going to be drinking on it for a little while. 
And yeah, you're right. Like Knob Creek isn't going to like blow your mind with any new flavors, but man, it is so solid. Every time I come back to it, yeah. I'm just like, yeah, that brown sugar is just so inviting. It's not going to let you down, yeah. you know, and at 120 proof, you know, it's got a nice viscosity and, you know, as far as like scoring these, I mean, I think most of these solid Knob Creek store picks are, you know, in the mid to high 80s again. I mean, they just do what they do really well. Um, I've had a couple, you know, the the older ones that just nailed it, mm-hmm. that nailed the oak, that, you know, the, they're a little more refined. Uh, there is something special that happens with older bourbon if it's not too tannic. Um, and it's got mm-hmm. that nice balance um, you just can't replicate um, that have been, you know, borderline 90s. Um, well, and that's what's cool, too, is, you know, if you have someone you know that you trust, and we've been talking a little bit about uh, before we started recording about, like, this is antsiness to get the next barrel mm-hmm. because you've made a mark, you know, it's the same as like, I work at, I'm a librarian and we have like a staff recommendation shelf. And so if somebody takes my staff recommendation, I'm like, well, they're probably looking for my name the next time they come back here. And so I think that's, what's so cool. And, um, you know, there's some big stores in Fort Collins and we've kind of known some of the people who did those picks and to know that you can trust their palate is such a powerful thing because yeah, you're sitting there and you're like, I need to sell what 180 bottles or whatever a barrel right. is of this thing, and so you're picking a good. You you need it to be a good barrel. You want right. something that you're proud of, and so it really does. Out as opposed to just buying a random bottle off the shelf, there's a human element to this. There's a connection. Yeah, to it. and I think you know store picks. Everybody wants the heavily allocated stuff, but. Very few people can get it unless you've got crazy connections and you've spent thousands of dollars at a place so that you're on their list to get that. But basically everybody can get store picks. Um, And oftentimes they're quite good to, you know, excellent. Uh, And like Ian said, when when you're able to trust somebody in their palate at whatever store you're going to, it really makes it worth it. And, you know, buying whiskey is, is an investment. I mean, you're looking at 40 to $80, depending on what the uh, the single barrel is. And, you know, you want to make a good investment and have it be something that you really enjoy and don't regret. And, you know, uh, feeling like you only can make mixed drinks out of it or whatever. <laughs> well, you know who, who you can yell at if it's not, if you don't like it. Right. You, you can't really just, like, go to Kentucky and yell at the uh, distillate. But, you know, if you... <laughs> No, I hope nobody. I hope nobody comes for you over. I don't. I mean, it's no. good. It's yeah. good. No, so. we're we're real happy about this. And, yeah, you know, in the end, I would highly suggest if you haven't already. I'm guessing um, that many folks have, but you know, if you see Knob Creek store picks, definitely check them out. Uh, as far as our store, we're going to try to be getting some more store picks in here hopefully soon. Um, but other store picks to look at. You know, Elijah Craig's store picks are really good. Uh, Wild Turkey makes Russell's Reserve store picks that are oftentimes excellent. Yeah, those are hard to come by, but if you see one, snatch it up. Yeah, yeah. Four Roses as well. Mm-hmm. That, um, yeah. And then, yeah, Buffalo Trace, you're just not going to see them. They're just gone immediately. Yeah. but And then we talked a little bit on our Stranahan's episode about some local stuff, too. You know, right. we Stranahan's uh, single barrel picks are great. 
We have like Very laws good. around here. We're not big laws fans, but um, they do a lot of like single barrel picks. Um, so yeah, local I distilleries would try laws too. At a bar before you go for it, just yeah. to see if you like that profile. Yeah, I think that with a lot of craft distilleries, that's a good rule of thumb. Um, yeah. Try to maybe go to the distillery, find it at a bar. Because, mm. um, yeah, I only found I didn't really like laws after spending $80, $80 on a <laughs> bottle. So Twice yeah. as much as this almost. Yeah, exactly. So Yeah, not even half the product. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, all right, any final thoughts on Knob Creek before we sign off? No, I mean, it's always a safe bet. And uh, don't be sad if you can't get the uh, the pappies or the uh, the B-Tech stuff. If you have got a place where you can get some good store picks, uh, you'll be just fine. Yes, I would say as the um, resident $50 a bottle guy, I this is one of the best you can do for the price. And especially, yeah, if you can... Um, Get it a store you trust, and uh, if you're in Greeley, hey, we know a store you can trust here. Yeah. So. All right, well, thanks for joining us on this episode of the Eat, Drink, Listen podcast. If you want more information, you can find us on Instagram at eat underscore drink underscore listen, and please join us next time. Cheers. Cheers.